And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino, Rudolph. NFL Draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would have asked for so much money that I had to put me on the layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players with the traps all about. Here in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Wide receivers, running back, tackle, quarterback. Every year in the draft, there has been a trade. Ricky Williams. John Dolphin. On a shady. All right, welcome back to draft season on the Athletic Podcast Network. It's the About Them Cowboys podcast. Please check out our Prospects to Pros podcast as well. We got things going on in the Athletic Football Show as well. Robert Mays, Dane Brugler, Nate Tice. So much stuff going on in the Athletic right now. But we're going to hit the Cowboys side of things, as always, on About Them Cowboys. We've got uh, some underrated Cowboys picks to talk about. We're always going to talk about Pick 10. You know we got to debate that. And uh, maybe a little bit of free agency update as well. So welcome back in. I'm Kent Garrison producing and welcoming back in my uh, best brothers of all things Dallas Cowboys coverage here at The Athletic. It's Kevin K.T. Turner of The Eagle and Father John Mishota of The Athletic. Hey boys, welcome back. Man, it's never, I guess, too early to, to do a pod here because, I mean, seriously... I feel like every 12 hours, my mind changes about what the Cowboys might do with Big Ten, Kevin. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been it's been a while. I mean, the last time we talked, we had that, uh, you know, the San Francisco trade happen, kind of reshuffled the yeah. order. And yeah, we're like, oh, yeah, made- the, the Panthers need a quarterback, too. So watch that out. And we're like, oh, wait, hold on, you know. Yeah, well, so who knows what trade will happen next week before we uh, before next week's episode. But, like, I, I thought this one was interesting as well. I mean, you had the whole Mac, the Mac Jones San Francisco story is very interesting because there's not a ton of people who think Mac Jones should go there besides maybe uh, a lot of NFL insiders and the 49ers. And then you have, you know, Carolina sitting there at eight and then they ended up making the trade for Sam Darnold. So it appears that Carolina now does not need a quarterback. And you start looking at the teams ahead of the Cowboys at 10, Denver at nine. Could they want a quarterback? Yeah, they could. Um, Detroit at seven. I don't think so. I'm tempted to text our own Chris Burke of the Athletic and maybe find out. I don't think you know, so either. Gun I think head. I think what it depends on I think it depends on, on who the quarterbacks is, yeah, there. Yeah. If all of a sudden you have like a Mac Jones go and it pushes yeah. back a Trey Lance, um, you know maybe that's something there. Maybe where, Zach Wilson slips to that spot. See, yeah, see, I, I find that very <laughs> hard to believe. But if that was to happen, sure. But um, you never know. It's a draft. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, the right quarterback prospect mm-hmm. was to fall back to them. You know, I, I don't think you can completely rule it out for the Lions. I mean, Jared Goff obviously is a guy that's going to be their starter this year. But, it, I mean, you can sit there and give them some time where they're like, oh, well, we didn't think that this guy was going to be here, you know. And we don't need him to be the starter right away. He can kind of work behind Jared Goff and, and be the guy in a couple of years, you know. So, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Justin Fields makes a lot of sense to me if he was still there, but... Who knows how it works out. But for the Cowboys, I feel like one of two things needs to happen. It's either two wide receivers have to go before they pick or five quarterbacks have to go before they pick. If either of those two things happen, one or the other, that yeah. both have, if one or the other happens, they're getting one of the four that I think makes the most sense for them. And that being either Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Patrick Sertan, or Kyle Pitts. So if you have those quarterbacks go one through four like they're supposed to, and then somebody else takes another quarterback there, you know, within the top nine picks, the Cowboys are in great shape. The the worst case scenario for the Cowboys, I feel like, is if, you know, only four quarterbacks go or even three, and then the offensive tackles go, Pitts goes, and then all of a sudden 
the wide receivers aren't going like everybody thought they were like maybe only one goes and then you're sitting there and it's like, well, they're not taking another wide receiver after taking CD lamb last year. So, I mean, there's a tough spot. And then if that happens, then I think you almost have to look to JC Horn if you can't get out of 10. You you said five quarterbacks or two wide receivers. Can I make Kyle Pitts be a wide receiver for the sake of this uh, discussion? No. Like, uh, because uh, uh, past, the, who past you catcher? As, as one of those four that the Cowboys would want, if not Pitts, though. That's what I'm saying. I don't think there is any. I think it'd be like Parsons or another defender, you know, or another corner there. Because I think Kyle Pitts would be their number one guy on their board, maybe at that point. If Pitts was their highest graded player on that board, but one of those other three guys are there, do you think they'd take one of those other three guys over Pitts based on need? Based on immediate need? Out of what three guys? Out of Sewell? Yeah. uh, If two of them were there. Well, so ask your question again. If two of them are there. I mean, I think they're in a great spot. But like, would they would take we... him over over Kyle Pitts even if he was there because of oh, me? Yeah. Um, I, I think if Panay Sewell's there, I think he, they would probably take him over yeah. Kyle Pitts even if if Kyle Pitts was on the board because of need because of the the looming Tyron and and Lyle right. and all that situation. What what a dream yeah. scenario for them if that even happens. But right. yeah, if that was to happen, I do think they would lean the offensive tackle over over the tight end. I don't. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, if I if I was going to Vegas right now, I'd probably say that five quarterbacks go in the top ten. But I don't think it's crazy to think that both. Okay, this is if the Mac Jones thing happens, right? Okay. I mean, although you could replace Mac Jones with whatever, I don't think it's crazy that one or two of those quarterbacks slip out of the top ten. That would mean no one moved up to get them, but that would mean they fell past. Denver chose not to go quarterback. Carolina chose. I mean, Carolina could. If, if Carolina makes a move with Teddy Bridgewater, if they were to trade him, I don't think it'd be crazy to see them take a quarterback too. And I know they picked up the fifth-year yeah. option on Sam Darnold, but I don't think that's nuts. Detroit is a true wild card. It's hard to really know. Absolutely. They could take anything. Atlanta is a wild card too. Um, it feels like it'd be really wise for either San Francisco or Atlanta at three and four to go with a quarterback and develop them. Uh, wouldn't have to play them immediately. But I don't. I'm not convinced that Atlanta's taking a quarterback. I'm not sold on that. Cincinnati feels like coin toss between Penay Sewell and one of the pass catchers, and then you have Miami. Miami traded back up to six because they want to go get aggressive. They're gonna. They're going back in to get a pass catcher of some sort, whether that be Pitts or Chase. You kind of know what they're doing. I, I. I still have. I don't have any better feeling on this than I did. You know, two or three weeks ago. I feel like we've narrowed it down the best we could. Like you said to those four guys, let's let let's play a little game here, KT. Let, let let's play the game of eliminate the teams we know are taking quarterbacks from the situation and stop, you know, assuming or, or wondering if some. So we know Jacksonville is taking a quarterback. Jacksonville takes Lawrence. The Jets take Zach Wilson. Right. Let, let's go with that. I mean, everyone has said it. Our own Dane Brugler started saying that here at the Athletic. Adam Schefter said it the other day. So let's say Mac Jones to San Francisco for the sake of it. But even if it isn't Mac Jones, you can still count them as a quarterback team. They They didn't trade up there not to take a quarterback. So that's still a quarterback team. It doesn't matter who they take. They're taking a quarterback. So there's three. Well, here's why I think it matters, because I think another team might be, hell no, I'm not taking Mac Jones in the top ten. Like if, if If it's not Mac Jones at three, then I don't think Mac Jones goes in the top ten. All right, okay. right. Okay, so let's assume, let's say uh, it's Justin Fields, okay, or or Mac Jones. Uh, okay, uh, you know, let's say it's a quarterback. But moving down to Atlanta, let's say let's say they okay they're not taking a quarterback for for whatever reason because we're not sure. We'll just assume they're not taking a quarterback. Right. Who would Atlanta pick in that spot? Do you think to best fit what they need now? I mean, you could never rule out Penny Sewell. I mean, everybody always needs offensive tackles. Okay, let's assume they pick Penny Sewell. Mark him off the board. All right, this draft is going fast. Cincinnati. Kyle Pitts. Uh, Chase is what I was going to say. But Jamar Chase. Okay. Oh, yeah, five and six could be Chase or, uh, or Pitts in either. That's fine. Go, Chase or Pitts. Go that way. Yeah. Okay. okay. Miami. Let's assume they're taking a wide receiver as well. So either Pitts or Chase. So we'll put one of them in there. Uh, Detroit. Let's assume they're not taking a quarterback. Who will they take, uh, John? That's tough, I mean, they could, they could take Rashawn Slater. They could take Devontae Smith. Okay, let's assume it's uh, Rashawn Slater for the sake of the of the yeah, exercise. Make okay. it more difficult, right? All right, Carolina. I mean, not taking I think, a quarterback. I they think, just got I Darnold. Think, they probably get a receiver. 
I think it's tackle. I think it's tackle or it's cornerback. I will okay. say this. I will it say it's tough uh, when there's these quarterbacks aren't going. It's like these players start falling off the board is, is uh, I mean, we, I assume Denver will take a quarterback. Honestly, I really I do said, think they will. I said that I think at le- you know, that two, two wide receivers have to go before Dallas picks for them to be locked in to a good spot. And I think, I think you're in a great shape that for, for sure chase is going. And the reason why I say that is because Jamar chase is a perfect fit with Joe Burrow. And then Jamar chase is also a good fit considering that Joe Brady, the OC with the Panthers, coached him at LSU and had a tremendous amount of success, and they obviously need a wide receiver too. I find it hard to believe that Cincinnati, Detroit, and Carolina are all passing on Jamar Chase. So I feel confident one receiver will go. It's just the, like last year, where all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I thought one of these receivers would go in the top 10, and now none of them did, you know? Like okay. Judy didn't go, Ruggs didn't go, CeeDee Lamb didn't go. So, so assuming Carolina and Denver, the last two, assuming, uh, you know, they maybe one of them picks Patrick Sertan and one of them right. picks. Um, yeah, so that's the scenario right there. That's a quarterback. It. Who's left on the board for Dallas there? Both that's your the tackles doom- are gone. Patrick Sertan's gone. Kyle Pitts okay. is gone. Yeah, that's a that's your doomsday scenario right yep. there. And I'm, and I'm guaranteeing you that they have a guy that they like a lot. And it, maybe it's like, you know, I know KT, you like, Ojalari or Quiddy Pay or something like that, that most fans would be like, whoa, that's a little early for that. But they might like love that guy. So you can't completely rule that thing out. But I would feel like from, I feel from talking to KT and the stuff I've read, I would think probably JC Horn makes, and, and honestly, I feel like that's early for him. And I think yeah. it would be, er, it would be early for Micah Parsons. Is that, a, is that, a, is that a reach? I mean, yeah, if, if all four of those guys are gone, I feel like they're going to be making a reach regardless. Yeah, if I, it does feel like they would like him. And it does feel like, to me, I would say that's, that's a bit of a reach, given what, you know, the Caleb Varley situation. Well, you'd hope somebody would be trying to come up to get a quarterback or a wide receiver yeah. that's there. You know, that's what your hope would be. Yeah. And then you can trade back and take one of those guys. But for Kent's purposes. Maybe New England at 15. Yeah, New England at 15. For Kent's scenario, though, you don't have that option we're just saying what do you do if you're making that pick at 10 you know i'm just assuming let's only assume that the teams that we know need quarterbacks are taking quarterbacks and if every team's just like hey let's play this this year out let's let's this draft is too good you know this player we like kyle pitts too much you never know how teams think um that could certainly happen and then and then what is dallas going to do we're just assuming they're going to get one of these four guys because these quarterbacks are so good and they are but we got to assume that these teams love these quarterbacks to spend a top four, three pick on. Well, when on there's them. not a, when there's not a player that jumps out, if all four of those were gone, you got to look at what value is to teams. And I right. feel like this team with this new defensive coordinator would put a very high value on getting who they feel is the number one edge rusher on their board. And if you look at any mock draft, there's very few that have an edge rusher going at 10. But you can't completely rule out that the Cowboys won't really like one of these edge rushers, and that totally fits with what the team needs in terms of the fact that, yeah, they have Basham and Randy Gregory, but that's not really anything that prevents you from taking another guy there. You you could use another top edge rusher with, with big-time upside. Now, I know from talking with KT, he doesn't see one of those guys being worth 10, but what we think doesn't really matter. They might view one of the guys worth 10. Yeah, Ojulari from Georgia is, you know, a lot, some people have Jalen Phillips, the guy from Miami as well. I, I, I think at tackle Christian Bearmore, defensive tackle Christian Bearmore, I don't think you're doing that there. No. I don't think, I think that's way too early. I don't think this you're doing is, Caleb Farley there. I don't think you're doing Caleb Farley there, although they'll take a health risk, but, you know, backs, uh, they've learned from backs, surely you would imagine. They've had a high profile back case. Here's my question. Would they take Christian Derisaw, the tackle from Virginia Tech? Uh, the other guy I would throw in there just because he can play guard and tackle is Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. I wouldn't do that. I don't it's think reaching. You, can do that. you can't. You can't would reach they? for positions. No. I think. I think if they if they want to stand in at ten, they got to go for some freak uh, uh, athletic ability. 
you know, a receiver that that's got something rare, a, a defender that that uh, you know, an edge rusher. I don't think you can just get, I don't know, a swing tackle, so to speak. At, all right, at right let's in. I'll hit KT. Sense. I'll hit KT with this one. Imagine that the the Cowboys uniforms turn to green and yellow, there and this go. is the Our Packers. And this is the Packers making this pick. But they have the they have the the Cowboys roster, okay? What would the Packers do in this situation? Because I think they would take the edge rusher. Yeah, they did it with Rashawn Gary a couple years ago. They identified that as a need. It's probably what they would do. Yeah, that's probably I, I, I what, think that, the, that that or or or, I, or they would reach on Horn. I think the the uh, scenario you laid out a few weeks ago on the podcast, KT, of of draft Ojolari. And he doesn't play much for you, but he's, he's your guy at, at next year, you know, and you've got Randy Gregory yeah. and you've got Demarcus Lawrence. I, I mean, if that's worst case scenario, I feel like that's a pretty good scenario for the Cowboys. See, and that's worst, worst case scenario we're, we're trying to lay out here. So, Yeah. And the thing is, J.C. Horn, what we can say about him is he starts, you know, and we're not saying that about Ojulari. You're saying that about J.C. Horn, um, you know. I think John did a really good job of laying out, though, because if you look at years past of Cowboys draft, remember Taco, TJ Watt, everyone had someone they wanted. Who did everyone want the year of late in Van Der Esch? Do you guys remember that? I know I wanted Harold Landry, the Boston wa- College pass rusher. I wanted Derwin James. Derwin James. Um, uh, Adoree Jackson was in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the cornerback, and he hasn't proven to be a I good I just remember Derwin James. Derwin James was the guy that, like, there was just no way he was going to fall that far. And so you, you were kind of like, well, yeah, that would be great. if he, it, Like, they were going to have to try to trade up if they wanted to get him. And then he just started falling and falling and falling. And I just remember that was the one where, as it got closer to the Cowboys pick that uh, that they really liked. But the Cowboys were still going to take Van Der Esch, even if Derwin James would have been there. But I remember he was the one that the fans, as he got continued to fall and fall, you're like, I can't believe this guy might make I it liked, back uh, I like DJ Moore, that draft. That was my... Uh... Yeah, that was okay. my pet cat. Uh, and he went at twenty four. Very he was still on the board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember they had interest in uh, Rashawn Evans, the uh, the linebacker who ended up in Tennessee. But what what I remember about that year, maybe maybe I was wrong on a Dory Jackson. That might have been a different year. Uh, but but I was thinking about that, like how even late Vanderush was kind of a polarizing pick at the time. It was kind of like, uh, everyone kind of had their guy, but it wasn't like clear cut thing. We can tell you here at ten. We have clear-cut names that that you want. So I, I think it's a situation for Cowboys fans where if you get one of those guys, I don't think you should throw up too big of a fight if you prefer Patrick Sertan over Rashawn Slater and you end up with Slater. Just know that it could be a lot worse. And I feel like you did a good job of kind of laying that out uh, in the beginning here, John. Here's the four guys. If you get one of these four guys, let's just all high-five and be friends, right? Absolutely. But here's the here, here's the issue though is like that I think we run into is that one of these four is going to be there, and there's the possibility that they take somebody else. I mean, now that's mentally, a bummer. You got to mentally <laughs> you got to mentally prepare for Patrick Sertan to be there and Quiddy Pay is the pick. Like you have to mentally prepare for that. Possibility. Okay, what 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 is Mike McCarthy's draft history in terms of unexpected uh, picks? KT, do you remember? I don't like, how much really say as he had though, you know. I, you know what? I'm just trying to think. Um, I'm just no, trying to it's, think. It's to a maybe fair question. He, he's got to have some influence on the in the room. Um, Here's what they typically do: they try to get, uh, they try to load up on picks. Now, I was looking at his, his last few years. You know, in Green Bay, they were struggling on defense. They would go to the playoffs, and then they would get beat because their defense wasn't good enough. So they loaded up at cornerback Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson in 2018, Kevin King in 2017, took the safety Josh Jones in 2017. Like it was loading up and, and saying, we need defense. So okay. I, I don't, again, John makes a good point about how much say did he have. But like I'm going back to there's Demarius Randall in 2015, couldn't stop the run, Kenny Clark in 2016, haha, Clinton Dix in 2014, couldn't cover anybody. You know, it was pretty much defense all those years. And, and, and I think. I would, and again, John makes the the overarching point. How much say did he have? Just know that the Packers didn't draft a skill player in the first round until Jordan Love. In Aaron Rodgers' tenure uh, tenure there, Jordan Love was the first skill player they had chosen. 
So I do think it's a noticeable thing. Defense is the problem. I think they're locked in, but I just think once it comes down to it, they're going to say, we paid Dak this money, Dak got hurt. I, I do think it'll come down to a board thing. I do think they will be tempted to go Sertan, and I do think they probably think higher of of Horn. Like, they might have had Horn over Farley. I don't know. But I think they've got Sertan above the rest of them. Uh, again, hard to know, but it just feels if like we're, If we're using uh, past coaching experience in drafts, though, again, it goes to edge rusher for me because when Dan Quinn is hired – to be the Falcons head coach, those next three drafts, his first three drafts as their head coach, they were very defensive heavy. And in two of those three, they went edge rusher in the first round. They went Vic Beasley. And then two years later, they went Tech McKinley. And so they, he has certainly shown that edge rusher is important to him and it's his defense. And I, I view him as having similar say as Rod Marinelli had that right. they're going to look at him as like, Hey, you know, you got skins on the wall. You, you we, had we'll Super get Bowl you your win- guy. We'll get you your guy. You can you can coach. Yeah, right. I, we, I see we, that too. We we know that you got to a Super Bowl as a head coach, and and that you won a Super Bowl and got to another head coach, another Super. We got you won a Super Bowl and got to another one as a defensive coordinator, and so we're going to listen to what you want. And if he thinks that there's an edge rusher there that's worthy, like they're going to get their chance to get the first edge rusher because there's no edge rusher going before. There will not be one off the board before the Cowboys pick. And so if there's one that he has fallen in love with, don't rule out that being the pick at 10. It does, you know, Ojulari from Georgia to me is my number one edge, but like Jalen Phillips from Miami, you you bring up Quiddy Pay too. I think there will be the whole Michigan thing that will loom over. <laughs> like, uh, But again, Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy weren't here for Taco Charlton being selected. But the quitty pay thing, there's a bit of quitty pay that makes you go. Oh, I will. I will I say know. this. I would. I will say this. I see a scenario where the Cowboys take the best or the first defensive player in the draft. Maybe it's Sertan. Maybe it's somebody else. You know who knows. But I also see a scenario though, where if he goes to the right spot, I wouldn't be surprised if the best defender out of this draft class is that uh, Jeremiah Wusu Karamoa from Notre Dame. If he goes oh. to the right system, and I don't think that that that. The, I don't think that the Cowboys would take him at 10. I think he'll probably go somewhere between, you know, like 12 and 20. But I would not be, because he is kind of a Swiss Army knife that can do just about anything that you yeah. want to move around, kind of like what they're doing with Keanu Neal. He can play some safety, play linebacker and all that. I don't think that that would be the Cowboys pick. I just thought of him because the KT just said, well, because of what things worked out before, like maybe people will look at like, well, we don't want any part of another Notre Dame linebacker. But I'm just saying, don't don't sleep on, on Karamoa. I love Cor- Cormo is my number one linebacker. Most of the draft community's number one linebacker is Micah Parsons for Penn State. Right. So we need to throw him into this conversation as well then. Sure. The thing about Coromoa, if 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 we're going off two things, Dan Quinn's scheme and then Mike McCarthy's comments of, hey, get the best players and line them up and we'll adjust to it. I mean, that's we know, we know that didn't is. happen last year, though. It was said last year, and we saw, yeah. you know, actions speak louder than words. And I, would it happen with Dan Quinn's my question? Because, man, when they signed Keanu Neal, my immediate thought was, well, there goes Koromoa. There goes the thought of sure. them drafting Koromoa. But here's the thing. Like, but Keanu Neal is a one-year deal. Yeah. There's nothing they've done in free agency that prevents anything from happening in this draft. Yeah. There's nothing. Like, do you really think because they signed old Sprinkle that – Kyle Pitts is out now. I mean, stop. Yeah, yep. Please. Yep. Like Dalton Schultz is in the final year of his deal. Like Blake Jarwin is on like a team friendly deal. They get out of that deal in another year if they really wanted to. Uh, what? Who else am I missing? Sean McEwen. I mean, what? I mean, if yeah, Kyle Pitts Jack is there Prescott. and they want him, there's nothing that they did in free agency that prevents them from from taking any of these players. Keanu Neal, you're here for a year. If they think you know Usukaramo is the answer to do the same thing and but better. They're going to have him for the next five years. Well, you know, you know, it's interesting too. I was looking at this thing. I think I believe it was Pro Football Focus might have thrown it up, but it was a chart of how teams have spent the percentage of their picks over the last ten years and what position. And the Cowboys and every everyone like you hear the talks like CD Lamb. It's like when are they going to focus on defense? And it's like, well, if you look around, they have focused on defense like every year. 
uh, of the last few years with Taco, with Leighton Vanderich, with Byron. Right, but, but but hold on. They don't focus on it, though, when they have the premium picks. When they Think have about the premium that. picks, Think yeah. about that. When have they done that with the premium picks? And I'm even going to include, we're going to go back to the heyday. We're going to go back to the 90s. We're going to go back to when things were going well. We'll go back to since Jerry Jones bought the team. Who are the premium picks on defense that they've really spent? Like, are they, that's like Terrence Newman, Roy Williams, uh, DeMarcus Ware. Mo Mo Claiborne. Because you even well, go they, back to the 90s, they weren't really investing huge in the defense early in the draft. Over the last 10 years, no one has spent more, and this is not number of picks, this is percentage of their picks, right? Okay. No one has spent a higher percentage of their draft picks over the last 10 years at cornerback than the Cowboys have. They are the number one team in terms of percentage at taking a cornerback. And I don't know, you know, uh, regimes change and things like that. I went. I was looking at some other positions that they were high on. Uh, edge rusher, that that would be the Cowboys' second most percentage over the last ten years, and then linebacker was the third most. And I'm sitting there going, "Well, here they got all these guys, and then probably their top guy on their board is probably Penny Sewell, and you know he could get there. Some teams are going to have Slater graded over Sewell, and I I do know this: the Cowboys like to roadmap the draft as they have forever, and if you're roadmapping the draft then you're probably going, I need to get my edge rusher now and I can get a cornerback in OT later. You're probably okay. doing that because cornerback in OT is deep. Edge is do not. You, do you have any interest in trading up with Carolina to make sure you get your guy? Carolina will probably be fine with it because they're still going to get somebody they like at 10. Is that something that you'd be interested in? I would have to give them. Or do you my... have to know who's on the board to do it? Like you can't, would you do it? Would you be willing to do it before the draft or do you have to know who's on the board to do it? Well, yeah, you probably need to do it just in case you don't get leapfrogged by someone. You probably have to do it. Looking at the chart, I would need to spend, I could get out of that thing by spending pick. Would you have to spend pick 75? No, I think pick pick 99 would get it. So all you would have to do is give up your second, third round pick. And maybe maybe a little more to sweeten it, just because you're in the top ten, right? And the values change. I'm so if I give if I give them <laughs> <Yes>. ninety nine, <laughs> and uh, can we can we can we uh, turn in the card now or? I I give them ninety nine and one thirty eight. I'm basically taking all four of those those uh, <laughs> those those first top ninety nine top one hundred picks that they have, and I'm turning it into two. I'm trading up in the first a couple of spots, and I'm trading up in the second a few spots, and then I'm 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 getting two players that I love. And I know okay. fans, fans will not be. There has to be like a like a handshake deal though with Carolina. It's like, hey, we're not. You're not taking our guy. We're not taking yours. It's like a Luca Trey thing, you know. I'm walking out of this thing with Caleb Farley and Penny Sewell. Well, that's what I was thinking. Would you trade 44? <laughs> Let, let's say Farley drops. Okay. Right. Farley drops to the late first round because of his injury. Would you trade your second and third round pick, 44 and 75, to get up to 27? Yes. If I mean medically, it all checks out. Yes, I would. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I would. I would also do it. 40, I, I would also do it, even though I don't think he'll be there. I, I would do it for Christian Barrymore too. What if? Uh, so you take ten. Let's say you take Sertan. Would you trade pick forty four and seventy five to get up to twenty seven? And I'm going to give you offensive Barrymore. tackle. No, give me Barrymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Maybe, well, I'm going to say I'm going to say OT though. Would you do it for an OT? Let's say um, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. <laughs> I, I like Eichenberg more than Jenkins, and most of the draft world likes Jenkins from Oklahoma State more than Eichenberg. Is this a top-heavy uh, offensive tackle draft or bottom-heavy, uh, Kevin? It's probably- so I, I think there's – so we have Sewell and Slater. There's a tier. The next tier is Darisov, the left tackle from Virginia Tech, and then Elijah Vera Tucker from USC is kind of a, a guard and a tackle where Darisov's straight tackle. There's a second tier. Then I don't think I'm trading for anyone else at an OT. I think I'll just wait in the second round. Gotcha. So four so guys about there, four guys. yeah, and probably probably six or seven go in the first round. But I think probably four, and then I think I can wait and kind of kind of figure it all out in the back yeah. end. What what position though, outside of DT, which you've already played your card there, right? And you've taken a cornerback. What position at forty four and seventy five? Combine those, jump up to 27. Would you jump up to get somebody? What if I don't it really, was... I, I, I really don't think I would if, if I already get my corner because here's my thing. The reason why I'm interested in it more 
later is because of the fact of that I went offense in the first round, you know, where I didn't expect to go offense. So I want to get a really good defensive player. But if I've already addressed that corner spot at 10, I'm, I'm going to probably be less likely because, you know, like I said, I mean, unless that detail, like there's a D tackle there, they really like that would make a lot of sense. Um, and I just, I, I don't believe they would do it for Richie Grant. So would they do it for Zaven Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa, who I can report to you that they love. Yeah, now, I, they don't. I, they don't. They don't love him at ten. But I can right. tell you, they they like Zaven Collins. Um, uh, and, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in doing that to trade up for that. But uh, if they if they're linebacker. in love with a guy, I could see them doing it. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not big on, on doing it for linebacker. No, I'm not either. I'm not either. Okay, what about f- uh, forty four? Unless, unless 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 Micah Parsons or Karamoa fall. And 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 I, you know what I hate is when people will be like, well, that'll never happen. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs was never falling to 51. Yeah. And it, and then it happens. You know, like all those safeties were never going to fall to the second round where the Cowboys could have literally had their pick of three. But stuff like that happens, you know. Uh, you know, Derwin James is never going to fall to, I don't know, I think it was 16 or 17 he fell to the Chargers. Like, sure. But then it happens, you know. So, yeah, if, uh, if a Karamoa or Micah Parsons was to fall there and and they were really in love with one of them, yeah, that, that interests what? me a little bit more than Zayvon Collins. What about this fun scenario? I think Ken will like this action too. Oh, so the Jets, <laughs> the Jets make that trade, but they got they're going Zach Wilson at two. But they're like, you know what? We want to get up there. We want to get Zach Wilson a weapon quick. So the Jets then want to get up to ten to go get one of the pass catchers. Maybe it's Devontae Smith. Maybe it's Jalen Waddle. Whatever. Well, I like it. I like their aggressiveness already. Would you trade pick ten to the Jets for pick twenty three and pick thirty four? <sighs> Then your draft goes 23, 34, 44, 75. Can I, can I wait till I'm on the clock? Yes. Well, then, yeah, it all depends on who's there. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, but one of your four guys that you listed earlier is there. Is one of there. the four is? Can yes. you tell me which Let's one of the four? Let's say it's, it's <laughs> Rasan Slater and Patrick Sertan. Yeah. Ooh, they're both there. Wow. I don't think I am. There's no Pene Sewell. There's no... I think, uh, I think I'm staying Collins. there. Pitts and Sewell went five and six. The the the, the Lions took Jamar Chase at seven. Yeah, I think I'm staying. I, I think you're gonna stay. The Cowboys yeah. can't risk Ooh. moving back in this draft until they know. Uh, like they they only need to pick up the phone once they're on the clock. Basically, like I, I I'm not. I don't want to entertain you know getting value until. They know that that because the, there is so many freak like at the top okay. of this up the top of this draft, you know, it could be like a, a Randy Moss situation where it's like, oh, we're good, and then and then they get screwed later on because they 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 draft for need or whatever it is. So I mean, there seems to be a big gap with the offensive tackles there. Right. I, I just I, if if I got a chance to get one of those guys, I'm not trying to drop back. If I'm really interested in getting one of those guys, you got to do it now because how often are you going to get up there to get a chance to get one of those elite offensive tackles? I can get you an edge at t- at 23, 34, and 44. I can get you an edge or Christian Barmore, okay? Well, let's say it's Christian Barmore because that's that's a good spot for him, 23. Yeah. Christian uh, okay. Barmore at 23. Okay. At 34, I'm going to get you uh, – I'm going to get you offensive tackle. Uh, Liam Eichenberg, really good player yeah. from Notre Dame. And at 44, I'm going to get you cornerback. Uh, I'm going to get you um, – uh, Elijah Molden. No, no, no. I'm going to get you. Uh, gonna, we'll go back a little more. I'll get you Eric Stokes, good cornerback from Georgia. Or hold on. Hold on. Let's have a little fun here. At 23, uh, we do Barmore. At 34, I get you Richie Grant. I get you the safety from Central Florida. And at 44, I can get you offensive tackle, Liam Eichenberg. Oh, Notre yeah. Dame. Well, I'll so do I, that. So we went DT safety, DT yeah. safety OT. We still didn't get a corner. I, I personally think they would take Eichenberg, though, over Grant. Yeah, they're probably not going to like Grant as much as yeah. the world does, huh? I think your scenario would be even more enticing, though, if you replace Grant with uh, Caleb Farley. Okay, let's let's take let's rule out offensive tackle. I know that's not fun, but three defensive pieces. <laughs> it is so 23, 34, four and linemen. 44. 23, 34, and 44, we get three defensive players. I'm I, interested. I can't. I cut and then I'm picking again at 75 and I can yeah. kind of have a little fun with that pick. If I want to go maybe Walker little, the tackle from Stanford, who if he would have came out two years ago, he would have been a top five pick and then he got hurt and then he set out and he had played in two years or Alex Leatherwood, 
you know, from Alabama. He's probably not still there, but, you know, maybe, you know, I'm talking about some names that like maybe 75 is the way. I'm just- well, when you say, when you specifically said that you're going to get me three defensive players, that that really interests me from the standpoint of we've seen several years now where, you know, they're not spending anything in free agency. And so we all know by now that if they're going to improve the defense at all, it's going to have to be through the draft. And that's probably not going to be how much are you improving your defense with just one cornerstone player? You know, if you were able to get three key guys that end up being like really solid players, they don't even have to be pro bowlers, but just like really solid, like, you know, turn into like some Anthony Hitchens type, you know, real solid guys across the board that are good, solid starters that you want to, that are, that are good enough that you're interested in giving a second contract to. I mean, that's where the yeah. bar is at with me. I think I think you have to consider it because, you, like I said, you're just you don't see them investing, even taking a chance on, on somebody in free agency, even on like a you know two three year deal that is a significant investment. So if you're going to improve the defense, you probably got to have to do it with multiple picks and you know late in the first or second round. You know, I'm drunk on the idea of three. Top 50 picks, if you make that trade, compared to two. And four top 75 picks compared to three. But again, that's hypothetical land with the Jets moving up. But I... And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. you see the Jets who have a ton of picks getting aggressive and wanting to go up? Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the other one. If I think in that scenario that you first came up with, I I think the player that would still be available there most likely is Patrick Sertan. And so that would be the one that you'd have to pass on. And I... I can see them doing that to a certain extent because while Patrick Sertan, I believe, is the clear-cut best corner in this class, he's probably not a guy that, you know, after the 17-game season's over, you're like, oh, yeah, he had six picks. And, you know, like, he's probably not going to have that big, like, you know, I think I think his production could be probably pretty similar to Byron Jones with maybe an extra pick here or there. Maybe he gets a few more interceptions than Byron Jones. But I think he's going to be pretty close to Byron Jones, you know. So, I mean, it's a really good corner, don't get me wrong, but I don't know that it, he turns into Patrick Peterson, Jalen Ramsey, Darrell Revis, where you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, we got this, you know, Stefan Gilmore shutdown guy, and, and you don't have to worry about that spot for a decade. Like, I don't know that he necessarily becomes that guy. And so, because of that, that's why it's enticing, too, when you say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to get you three defensive starters, basically, that, yeah, none of them are going to be superstars, but that's three quality players on a defense that really isn't adding much in free agency. Isn't it fun talking about these crazy things that could happen? These oh, the draft's things? the best, man. I you know, I, I just clicked on a mock draft on on the Tankathon site, and it, it went oddly exactly how we kind of worst case scenario mocked it. And they had they had the Cowboys taking JC Horn at ten. Yeah. So and then that this might I don't know if this is just a randomizer or what if this is what they think it will happen, but I mean it could legitimately fall that way where um yeah where how far back do you think they could go how far back do you think they'd go and still get horn if they were to trade back i think they could go to 15 you know i think the the, uh, you have the chargers at 13 you know probably need to go o-line but they could get in that cornerback mix i think you look at 14 minnesota is the second uh they need edge and i think that that they're probably going to work on defensive line there but Mike Zimmer's always taken corners. I mean, I think they were second on that list of percentage of picks spent over the last 10 years. They were second at cornerback. Minnesota, 15. Uh, New England usually will go best player, but I can see some movement there. Um, Arizona could go corner at 16. So, like, yeah. you have all these teams who could be corner hungry. So, I don't think you can go too far. I would say you're not going to trade with the Giants or the Philadelphia 11 or 12. But if you go back to 15 with New England – you I got a say, chance. Yeah, if I'm playing it safe, I'll say 13. I'm going with the Mac. If New England's coming up to get Mac Jones at 10, and the Cowboys are moving back to 15, you know, that scenario. I, I, I'd take that. If they're getting J.C. Horn anyway, <laughs> right? The thing that like, worries right, me about that is— off the board, and, and, and Horn's our guy at this point, and we think we can get him at 15. Let's just trade back. I, I'm yeah. all for that. The thing that always worries me about that, though, is what else are they getting on top of that? And it's very rare that the Patriots give up a lot. So you got to give, give up something to, to jump up. And right. and if they're and I would rather them do that than it could be considered this big reach at them drafting him at ten. Rather than they played it smart, they went down to fifteen, they got him more, you know, and they got more value for um, yeah, yeah, the thing. Well, the the chart would be. I'm just going. I'll be. I'm not going to give you the read out the numbers because that no one cares. 
But the chart would tell you second uh, just on the fly. I don't think New England has a second. Oh, they do. They do. Yeah, second would be too much though. Forty six. Um. The, yeah, that that would be too much to move. Well, up then, well, no, no, we want the second, but we'll throw something back at you with it. We're going to give you ten and something else. Okay, okay. So we'll give you. You'll give us forty six, and we'll give you seventy five. That's how you make it right. Okay. So, so you you would end, you would end up fifteen and forty six, and you give them ten and seventy five. So you would be fifteen forty four and forty six. So that's another scenario where you're getting three top fifty picks. Yeah. I like that. 44 like and 46. That. I like it too, but I, I don't I don't want to do it until I can see what's there. You until know? the phone rings. Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I I think the corners go. It, uh, and another thing too, like, I don't want to go into the details of it, Mike. It's amazing how this Deshaun Watson thing has kind of turned the draft upside down a little bit because I certainly, certainly felt like Carolina was maybe waiting on that. And that thing is not going to get, you know, cleared up before this draft or uh, maybe in the next five years. So like, you know, like that, it's amazing. Like all these things that happen, like you're sitting there in the draft, with Laramie Tunsil, and then you get the gas mask, you know, bong right. picture. Like all these things happen. The draft is so crazy and more crap's going to come out in the next three weeks. So it's real wild. But my question is, is the Cowboys most heated training camp position battle right now? Uh, Norlander versus um, Bryce Anger. That punter, because that's what happened. They brought a punter in. That's exciting, man. Punters they're are really, people too, KT. Come on, they're beefing up the special teams. I mean, there there was that time two years ago where I I think it's pretty safe to say they had the worst special teams in the NFL, and now look at them. You know, I think they're going to yeah. be in the they're they're in the upper half now. They've worked their way up. John Fossil's got them heading in the right direction. Exciting times. It. Exciting times. It's better than having a crappy, you know, uh, special teams. You want that? You want that thing shored up. You're going to be a good team. We want them to be solid and look like a clown show at all times. Get your special teams fixed. That's a good yeah. Way to look solid. Eleven guys on the field, right? Yeah. Like nice wonder walking around the star like he had the job. I mean, come on, man. Now yeah, he's nice going to be shaking in his shaking in his punter cleats. I don't think any of those guys really feel that way. The, none of those, like the journeyman, like kicker punters. I don't gonna, think any. I'm just gonna, you know, do my job and go out right. there and kick. <laughs> and some days go my way. Yeah, I think it's pretty rare to have a run as long as, like, say, like Chris Jones and LP, and and even yeah. really when when Dan Bailey was there, like the, to have those three be the same for as long as they did. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's that really that common. Dan you know? Bailey was was honestly and not, you know, obviously on the football field. KT, you know this. Dan Bailey was one of the most calm, evenly like emotionally uh stable people you would ever come in contact with in your entire oh, life. Yeah. Kate John remember when all the uh anthem stuff was going on and yeah. Dan Bailey was like the captain or the players rep right and he was the only one that would take questions for that yeah, entire he was the week rep, yeah right <laughs> and so you had Dan Bailey uh basically the kicker answering questions about uh, you know, political, uh, you know, race issues and, right. and, and all that. And he handled it perfectly, but I was like, man, this is not, this is not what you would expect position. this guy to be yeah. able to, to handle. But I mean, those, th- you're right. Those guys, they, they do have a personality type, uh, that, that comes with it. You, you rarely see a Pat McAfee come into the NFL and, and kind of have that, that, that attitude at that position, but that's why he stands out. Right. But, um, I, I remember when Dan Bailey was the kicker and he had, he collected like a certain kind of cleat. Oh, yeah. Like a special brand of cleat. Remember this, John? Yep. Oh, yeah. And he and he would buy them on eBay because like Nike didn't make them anymore or something. And he yep. he had all different kinds in his in his locker, and and it would like depend on the day on which one he would use or or the weather. And he yep. said whenever he saw one popped up on eBay on his size, he would snag them because um, it was all about the feel of the day or that particular moment on which. But it was always a certain brand of Nike or model of Nike that he would wear. Uh, but very, yep. very interesting, the kicker, uh, the superstitions and all the little things that they do to, to perfect their game. Well, they're beefing that I'm stuff I'm always down for special team stock, boys. Yep. Yeah, kid, you, had a, you, you had a good idea. You had to kind of take a look at um, you know some of the most underrated uh, Cowboys draft picks. Yeah, before we move on, KT, I want to tell our listeners about an awesome new podcast we just launched this week on The Athletic. It's called Shattered, Hope, Heartbreak, and the New York Knicks. Shattered is a documentary-style podcast of the past 20 years of the New York Knicks, hosted by hip-hop legend Chuck D. from Public Enemy. 
The series tells the wild, crazy stories from the past two decades of the Knicks under team owner James Dolan. Shattered Reveals never heard stories about Dolan, the Knicks, and the NBA. Some of the people interviewed include former Knicks Patrick Ewing, Penny Hardaway, Jamal Crawford, Nate Robinson, former Knicks coaches and executives Donnie Walsh, Jeff Van Gundy, David Fisdale and Jeff Hornacek, and some non-basketball voices like Edie Falco, Andrew Yang, Wyatt Cernak, Adam Pally, and Andrew Schultz. Listeners will learn about what caused the end of the 90s Knicks, what it's like to be banned from the Garden, the Knicks' failed pursuit of LeBron James in the summer of the decision, why Carmelo Anthony and Jeremy Lin couldn't coexist, the unusual way David Fizdale and Christoph Sporzingis began their relationship, that's a little Mavs ties right there, and what Garden insiders say it's like to work for James Dolan. I'm sure there's some great nuggets there. New episodes of Shattered are released every Tuesday, so search for Shattered. Hope, heartbreak, and the New York Knicks wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, when I was looking at it, I, I kind of only went back to the last 10 years just because, you know, it's better for my memory. I, I just went back to 2010. Um, but can, you said you wrote some down as well? I did. I did. And, you know, it's always just fun this time of year to go back and look at the draft history and what could have been and what should have been. And, you know, especially after free agency, more guys leave from those draft classes and, and you're left with maybe scraps of, of classes before, you know, looking back at the 2017 class, looks like Jordan Lewis is the only one left on the team from, from that. No, draft well, class. Noah, Noah Brown is no Brown is a seventh round pick. You're right. I didn't yeah. see his name. Uh, yes. Uh, so yeah, that's not great. And that was what, three years ago that, 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 uh, draft happened. Right. Basically. Which is scare a lot of people. Cause that's the last time where they were like, you know, you really felt they were gonna have to go defensive heavy and draft and it obviously didn't work out. Well. They did, they did pretty nice in, in, in 2018. Uh, it's obviously TBD on Layton, but, uh, Dalton Schultz has come on nice. Cedric Wilson has come on nice, especially Michael Gallup. Connor Williams has been solid. So they've, they've been good, but yeah, it, it's always amazing to me how much value the Cowboys get in the later rounds. And I think that's that's what stood out to me when I was picking a few names here. And the first one that stood out to me is just a guy that's been around and he always pops up and he, I always think he's out of the league. And most of these guys I'm going to name aren't, aren't on the Cowboys anymore because the Cowboys don't like to sign guys after the rookie contracts, as we know. Um, and even their quarterbacks. And um, this guy... I mean, one of the funnest players to cover the short time he was in Dallas, just so much attitude. Um, Terrence Mitchell, seventh round pick in, uh, I think it was 2014. Didn't last yeah. long. I don't think he didn't even make it through camp that year. But, dude, this guy has popped up on every team in the NFL. So many interceptions, so many memorable plays made against him throughout his career. And I guess somebody saw something back then. So it's like, hey, this guy from Oregon's got something. And, um, he was he was so special at first training camp. I remember he he uh, he showed up in preseason, and I remember a, a line of his in, in training camp where he was going one on one with the receiver, and and there was a 
on called PI. He's like, what do you think about that? He's like, man, he was shoving like a mug. So every time I see Terrence Mitchell, I think of the phrase shoving like a mug. And uh, I, I, I love that. So, so that was one, one of my first uh, underrated pick was the seventh round Terrence Mitchell pick in, in 2014. I think he did come back to the Cowboys at one point, uh, had a little stint here towards the end of the Garrett era. But um, I, yeah. I just remember he was like, when he went to Kansas City and he was like making plays. Right. Very <laughs> Immediately, honest. right. Like, yes, yeah, almost immediately. And uh, right, like uh, Shavarius Ward, too, like when the Cowboys had him mm-hmm. for a while. And then mm-hmm. he went over there. It's like, hey, where are the Chiefs taking all of our corners and just playing them immediately? Why can't they play here? Oh, they, they, took our, they took the linebackers, too. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Both of them. Hitchens and, and, and Wilson, yeah. Uh, what and was Taco. Your, what was your, yeah, they, they did that that's like a shot. Taco the re-upped take a with shot the Chiefs. You think Taco was gonna like explore any option but re-upping with the Chiefs, <laughs> like just sailing to another Super Bowl? Like uh, I don't, I didn't expect anything different when I saw that headline come through. But uh, yeah, what's yours, KT? An underrated. Well, I, it it's underrated, but maybe maybe it's too high because I know underrated means you probably needs to be a day three guy. But given how much they counted on him. I'm going to go with a third rounder and Tyrone Crawford. And you look at what he did in his career. And I know once he got paid, it kind of turned everyone off to, to, you know, maybe, but they asked him to do way more than probably a general, a, a normal third round pick is more to do. And he had 25 career sacks. Um, but just the idea of he's going to play tackle for us, or he's going to play in for us on an almost regular basis I mean, his whole decade, his decade of an NFL career, I bet half of those years he went into an offseason going, I don't know if I'm going to be a defensive tackle or a defensive end next year. And that versatility allowed the Cowboys to kind of do some things and get creative on the defensive line. So I thought that was kind of an underrated pick. And I know he's a household name for Cowboys fans because he's a starter for that many years. And But I, I just think when you look at that guy going at 81, you know, you don't think of taking a guy at 81 who's going to be a guy who I'm counting on every year to kind of be healthy because I know he can help me at, you know, a couple of major positions on the defensive line. Yeah, for me, I'm going fourth round. I'll go Anthony Hitchens. I just, I we mentioned him earlier with the, going to the Chiefs, but really solid player. Uh, been a starter for the Chiefs now the last three years, gone to, you know, back-to-back Super Bowls, winning one two years ago. And obviously they want to keep him around and they're one of the best run organizations in, in the league right now. And you didn't have to invest much, a fourth round pick. And he probably should have got a second contract from the Cowboys and they probably wouldn't have needed to invest high picks and Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. And yeah, I understand, you know, he, if you, if you're just looking at, you know, the combine measurables and the type of athleticism and all that things like that you're going to look at, you know, he probably doesn't measure as high as a Jalen Smith or Leighton Vander Esch. I get it. That's why he goes to the fourth round, but I think for the value, you know, and then even the year after that, they got Damian Wilson in the fourth round too, which Hitchens is a better player, but that's still pretty good value for the fourth round. And I, and I point those out because, you know, they need linebacker help this year. And I don't think they necessarily have to do it early in the draft, but if they could pull some guys like this, someone similar to an Anthony Hitchens in the third or fourth round, that'd be great. Yeah. Great one. Um, my next one was actually Damian Wilson. So good one. A good, uh, good connection there. Uh, John, Guy, I wish they would have kept for sure. Uh, I wish they would have kept both Hitchens and and Damian Wilson. I really liked those guys. They were the definition of solid uh, and reliable for the Cowboys. Oh, um, solid, solid, solid. Oh, super solid, solid. And uh, you, you know, you look at Damian Wilson and Chaz Green picked thirty picks ahead of him by the Cowboys out of Florida, still in the league, by the way. And I, I produce our podcast for the Colts here, the Athletic One Percent Better. And there was some Chaz Green talk going on last year because he had to play a few games because of some injury. And I was like, "Oh man, this is bad. <laughs> you do not want this to happen. You didn't want it to happen when it happened to the Cowboys, but it, it did." And then they had Ryan Russell after that. Remember, uh, remember Marinelli and Ryan Russell in, in, in training camps, John? Oh yeah. I don't think I've ever heard somebody being berated and called so many. <laughs> foul things as Ryan Russell. Like, like I think Marinelli found Ryan Russell. Uh, he's a local kid, you know, like grew up in Dallas and was like, I'm going to sculpt this guy into the next Michael Strahan. And <laughs> he never could, you know, and it was like his, his experiment and he's tried it and he tried it and they got him on the practice squad and tried to keep him around and tried to give him chances. And it never happened. But, um, 
right in between those guys, there was Damian Wilson. Nice little pick and a Super Bowl champion for the Chiefs. Yeah, and I'll throw out six-rounder Anthony Brown, and I freaked out on the air when it yeah. happens. I had a third, third-round grade on Anthony Brown. I had a third-round grade on, on Xavier Woods, too. I'm sorry if I stepped on one that you might do there, John. But, like, you know, both guys had – when they take these guys in the sixth round and you've got them graded much higher, it's a really good feeling because you're, like, talking with them. Why don't they take him? Why don't they take Anthony Brown? Why don't they take him? Oh, they took Charles Tapper. Oh, why don't they take Anthony Brown? Oh, they took Dak Prescott, huh? Wow. Well, that's never going to work. Uh, Anthony Brown. And they didn't have a, they didn't have a fifth round pick that year, and they ended up taking Anthony Brown. And you know, for a guy to get a second contract, not be expensive, I, I'm they they don't want to do this, and and they and they most likely will not. But in a pinch, if you needed to, you could roll out Trevon Diggs, Anthony Brown, and Jordan Lewis as your corners. That's not the most impressive. It's not what they want to do. It's probably not what will happen, but it could happen. And Anthony Brown gives you that ability if something were to go wrong. So I I, I just think he's a solid player. Could play inside and outside. Uh, you know, again, not not a not a game changer by any means. But we're talking about a guy who's taken you know at one eighty nine in that draft, and I just I just think incredible value and maybe not talked about enough that they can sign that guy to hardly nothing and, you know, kind of help band-aid things, get a guy, you know, who he is rather than pulling in a free agent off the street. Yeah. I'll go with uh, Donovan Wilson, even though obviously it's really early on in his career, but for a sixth round pick in 2019, he's shown some flashes. He obviously has some limitations. Uh, He's certainly not a complete uh, finished product at safety, but if, you know, Dan Quinn can use him in the right way. I think he's got enough, like a knack for the ball, whether it's, you know, causing fumbles or just, you know, causing turnovers. So I think he's got a chance that if everything goes the way that it's going right now, it seems like he's on a, on the right track to being a guy that, that deserves to be on this list. And the other part of it is just the fact that unless something really changes with the Cowboys philosophy on safety, you know, he's in a position where he could be like Xavier Woods was where it's like, yeah, you could upgrade from that guy, but the Cowboys feel like that's good enough. They're rather invest their big resources in other areas. So Donovan Wilson could end up being a starter here for the next, you know, three years. And if he's just solid, you know, that's really good investment on a six round pick. Yeah. My ne- more, Kent? Yeah. My next uh, most underrated is um, tight end from Baylor Rico gathers. No, just kidding. Um, I, I want to go with some undrafted guys, guys, and um, just shout out a couple of guys that I've loved watching throughout their careers and, and have just defied the odds almost at every level. And um, one of them is Cole Beasley. And just being able to see what he's been able to do at, after the Cowboys, you know, and, and going up to Buffalo and right now being a very important part of a basically a Super Bowl run that they're about to make uh, has been awesome. And, and a guy the Cowboys found, and and obviously there's some controversy, he left camp and came back and all that kind of stuff, but they stuck with him and ended up being a huge part, not only of Tony Romo, but of Dak Prescott's um, time here and has just been a really fun player to watch throughout his career and local product and all that. And uh, same goes for Jeff Heath. I, rem- I remember uh, Jeff Heath, his training camp was the, my first year of the Cowboys and sitting by him on the plane after the last <laughs> – uh, a training camp game. And he was like, well, this is it. You know, I was like, I'm a rookie. It's my last training camp game. I'm undrafted. Hopefully I flashed enough, but probably didn't, you know, and this is it. And it was one of those like sitting on the plane, looking out the window type, type flights, you know, that you have when, when your dream might be over. And here he is, you know, still in the NFL, so many impactful plays for the Cowboys and, and, uh, and obviously with the Raiders now, but um, sure. you talk about value, you know, finding those gems, outside the draft and those small goals, small school guys, uh, that always impresses me when that, when that's able to, to happen. Yeah. Like I mean, Tony Dan Romo. Bailey was, Dan Bailey was another guy that we mentioned earlier, yeah. you know, undrafted yes. guy. And then obviously, you know, Romo and miles Austin and Lyle Collins, you know, the Cowboys have had more than their share of success with undrafted guys. Yeah. It's pretty, I bet it's a little easier for them though, to go say, Hey, you want to come play for the for Cowboys? Sure. Once these guys have a choice, you know, they can do some wooing to get these guys in there. For sure, like, but I mean, how many times does that happen a year that they're yeah, like, oh, wow, Cowboys, Cowboys landed four of these awesome priority free agents and none of them ever make the team. Like, they don't even make it through 
through the first year most of the time, or you know, the first practice squad year most of the time. And for them to to make the team and to have Cole Beasley like has made huge impact on huge games, you know, throughout right. his life. I mean, like iconic, like Ring of Honor type moments for the Cowboys. You know, I mean, if they had ever won a Super Bowl, I mean, he was he was a huge important part of that those teams, and so like. Uh, yeah, that's just so impressive to me uh, to go to walk on somewhere and to have that kind of a, yeah. a career is, is is incredible. But who knows what this draft will will uh, will come out with? Maybe we'll get some undrafted gems. Who knows? Oh, we always have some. Well, and we'll have names because there's levels to liking these guys. We'll have names that'll be fun. You know, when that does happen, we are about three weeks away, and it's all going down. I want to remind mm-hmm. you that Dane Brugler's draft guide, the Beast released today on The Athletic, so make sure you subscribe to The Athletic if you have not done that. Make sure you do that. It's a hell of a deal to get the Dane Brugler draft guide. Uh, that is really uh, essential reading. Uh, and you got three weeks to, to bone up before the draft. Prospects to, uh, to pros is great. John's had some good pieces up uh, on The Athletic throughout the week, kind of doing some positional reviews. Uh, they're very good. Good read uh, today about uh, getting the running game going again. And, of course, all the other local teams uh, are doing their thing. The Rangers back in action. So make sure you check out Levi Weaver's work. Sod's trying to get the Stars to the playoffs, but they're not playing very well. And, of course, the Come Mavericks. Come on, Sod. Step it up, yeah, man. Sod needs to step it up and, and score some goals. <laughs> I told him to try out, dude. Told him to. You've been trying to get him to try out for years. Yes. Eh, nothing to lose, man. Um, and then, of course, Tim Cato covering uh, the Mavericks. Bob Sturm's doing his thing. we got a good cu- good crew here on the uh, DFW uh, you know, uh, chapter of uh, The Athletic, although I don't know if we do it like that anymore. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just saying things now. So that's the podcast. We did it. Um, and we're going to be back. We're going to be back. We'll have more crap because uh, we're getting closer to the draft. John says uh, they've got these four guys. You got to go back and rewind this podcast to get those four names. The four key names to remember for the draft that happened in this podcast. So rewind it if you forgot. For Father John Mishota, for our producer Kent Garrison, I'm KT. We'll do this again. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless.